0: Welcome to the Investigation Game Podcast, brought to you by Workman Forensics. Welcome to the Investigation Game Podcast. I'm Leah Wheatholder, CEO of Workman Forensics in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joining me today is Trent Russell. Trent is the founder of Green Skies Analytics. Prior to Green Skies, Trent began his career in Ernst & Young's IT Risk Assurance practice, where he served multiple industries. He later joined the Financial Service Office at EY and facilitated the development of data analytics procedures before joining the University of Alabama System Office as the data lead for their internal audit department. At Green Skies, he develops data analysis and hands-free monitoring solutions for forward-thinking internal audit teams. Thank you for joining me today, Trent.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I've been a a big fan um, of the show for a while now.
0: Well, thank you. So for this episode, I'd like to discuss where the world of automation and specifically like hands-free monitoring of data analysis and internal auditing coincide with the world of fraud investigations that's a lot. Yeah. Um, but just so our listeners know, you were a guest blogger on our blog last July, explaining a simple method to detect fraud using Z score. So, um, thank you for sharing this actually, uh, just personal note here, uh, here at Workman, we have actually incorporated the tests from your article into our data sleuthing process. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Yeah. that. Rachel was so excited. <laughs> um, and we'll post that blog post in the show notes if anybody wants to look at that further. But before we get into the details of this topic, would you just tell us a little bit about how and why you created Green Skies Analytics?
1: Yeah, it was really came out of a need from... So my background has always been audit, um, external audit, financial statement audit uh, with the big four firm. I remember specifically, we were doing this, this test, this audit test. And it's a very common one in the IT audit world where You look at everyone that has been uh, terminated for whatever reason they are, you know, they're fired or they're on leave or they've retired or whatever. And you want to make sure they don't have access to the system. So they don't have access to the GL um, or whatever other system that they would have access in. And so a way to do that, maybe an old school way to do that, if you would, is to get a list of all those terminated users and then follow it through the process through to see that you know, the control is that management sends an email to HR, and they also send an email to the security folks, and then security removes the access, and HR does their thing so that they're not accidentally, you know, still paying the person afterwards. Um, And then you make sure that that is kind of followed. And so what we were doing, though, is or what someone showed me was, look, we can take this listing of users, terminated users, we can take this listing of users from the application, so everyone that's in the, you know, the GL application, and we can run analytics against it to do a comparison. And if we see where somebody falls out, where we see where someone has access still, even though they're terminated, well, then that's, you know, that's the test, basically, like, you know, you've tested every single person, instead of, you know, typically an audit, we take a sample. So if there's 100 people have been terminated, you would take a sample, maybe of 10 or something to that effect. And so instead of doing that, we can test all 100, and we can do it in, you know, 10 seconds, especially, you know, year over year, we can do the same test every year in like 10 seconds, because we've already written the script for it to automate it. And so that's kind of like what opened my eyes and to analytics and how we can use it in audit. And so I got involved more with that. And then just from that, there's, there's this need, there's a skills gap in the audit world relative to data analytics folks, because you know, you kind of have to have the audit background, and you have to also kind of have the analytics background. And there's just not a there, there's not a lot of people that kind of have that. So from that kind of um, birthed, <laughs> if you would, uh, Green Skies Analytics, where we we help internal audit departments with their data analytics, um, advance them to the next level of the maturity model, uh, or, or, or even just get them started um, with analytics. So
0: yeah, awesome. I, a couple of things you said in there that we've found true or i found true in my own practice is in using data in fraud investigations is similar to what you said that we can look at everything right. not just a sample and in the same amount of time if not faster sometimes if it's something something we can repeat over and over again then there's nothing to reinvent we just look at everything i think uh, would you say that it, that you run into this too that the once things are automated the most challenging part is the data input (laughs) like getting the data into this automation
1: yeah it can be for sure because tables change fields change um a a new business unit is added something that that you you can't account for happens with the business as it grows and as the technology changes or, you know, they'll just say, hey, we're going to switch uh, entire system. So this doesn't really work anymore, <laughs> which takes, you know, a, le- a level of effort. But, you know, that's a lot of times it's uh, it's low maintenance type things. And so, you you know, that's part of it. You know, it, it's like, you know, analytics and automation is the same as any other software. You get updates from, you know, Apple on your iPhone because they've they've made it better uh, they've had to tweak some things. And so that's that's basically, you know, a piece of it is maintaining it. So it can be it can be difficult for sure initially to get it how you want it. They say maybe anecdotally, I don't know if they've done any actual <laughs> research around it, but and I can I would say anecdotally also, about eighty percent of the time, uh, data analytics is cleaning the data or doing data wrangling, however you want to say it, and getting it in a format where you can actually use it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that estimate. Not that I've studied it, but based on our cases and billing, yeah, I would say that's the majority of it as well. Um, so you, something you also mentioned in talking about starting your practice is that having finding people that have this internal audit, but also data analytics experience uh, is not super common. And, and I'd say that's the same in my field too, uh, even though I'm looking for like, you know, it's like this in- investigator, maybe have some accounting, but also, really, I need someone who can understand how data works and right. to set up tests and uh, procedures and the analytics, thinking about it from a data perspective, like how can this table join with this other table and right. do those comparisons in an efficient way? So what did you do in your career that kind of gave you this you know, unique skill set?
1: Well, so I was in audit um, just because I think EY, so that was a firm I came from, Ernst & Young. And when I was looking for jobs looking for internships, that kind of thing in college, they were the like voted best company to start your career with. So I was like, (laughs) why go anywhere else? So I've always been in audit and I've always liked, I'll just say Excel um, (laughs) because of how much easier it can make your life. Not even just in the, the, you know, professional world, but I do stuff in my, not Excel, but in my, you know, super fancy tool that have nothing to do with work. You know, I'm a, I'm from Alabama. I don't have a choice, but to be a college football fan, I'm a huge Alabama football fan real time. And <laughs> so, so I'll look at stuff like I'll look at, you know, I remember doing this a couple of years ago. I wanted to know every high school athlete that has now been drafted in the NFL draft college football player, who was like the lowest rated prospect out of high school that got drafted the highest. And so this year or four years ago, I guess, there was some guy who's like a two star uh, cornerback from and he went to Iowa. Nobody really recruited him. And he was like a top five draft pick. And so, like, I just got curious what that was and started doing the analysis because I like doing the analysis. So uh, yeah. I just kind of do it all the time. And what I tell people, and I think this kind of answering your question or, or maybe what you're getting to is like how you could get into it is. And I've started to say this recently there almost has to be like this dopamine drip in your brain when you're doing it that goes, you know, like, this is cool. I like this. I'm having fun doing this. I don't know. I'll be like, like writing a script and and like being into it. My wife's like, Trent, Trent, Trent. I'm like, what? You know, like, I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm into this thing right now. And so it it takes a, I I tell people, you know, data literacy is kind of a, a hot topic in terms of, having it across an entire organization. We want everybody to be data-driven and using data analytics tools to some degree. And it's just like, it's not a realistic expectation. You have to enjoy doing it. It's not a skill that you can just push down on people to learn. It's it's far from just a tool that you have to learn. Um, it's 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 much more than that. So you you kind of have to enjoy it. And if I could go on a, uh, a little bit of a tangent here, if you don't mind, yeah, there is... There And I'll, I can send you the link. And I, I was talking to someone recently about this within security, and I said, how do you get into cybersecurity? Like, where, where would you start? And they said, take the CompTIA Security Plus course. And if you like it, then great. Go to the next step. If you don't like it, then don't get into security because you don't like it. It's not something you enjoy. And so there is a another uh, course, and it's like 12 bucks or something, but... And like I said, I'll, I'll send you a link um, for anybody that's interested in getting analytics. But take this course, and if you like it, keep going down the path. And if you don't, then you don't like it, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, that's just, sorry, that's the that's the message I've been preaching for the past couple of weeks now. So I <laughs> wanted to take advantage of that no. opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. One of the things that, and, and I think that that goes <laughs> with, I, I like that because I, I'm going to steal that because people do ask me, how do I get into this? And uh, I mean, I am working. Well, yeah, I could totally tell people, well, you need to play my game. If you don't like playing my games, then you're probably not going to like it. Uh, But one of the things I do, the kind of career advice that I've been giving lately is you need to start serving in that area. And it's really just to see. Like, do you like what you would have to do? You know, the stories behind fraud investigations are cool, but the right. everyday is actually staring at Excel or staring at idea or um, entering lots of bank statements.
1: Because It is like that uh, on the frauds, because I see fraud. I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. Um, and I could see analytics being the same. You see the, the end result of it and what happened. And you go, oh, that's really cool. I want to do that. Then you get into the meat of it and it's like, wow, this is not you know, it's hard. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it's really detailed. And especially like, you know, in a, I've been thinking about this this week, actually, that in a fraud case, you know, it's one thing to do like an audit um, that's based on tests and so forth and let people know what you found. But there's still kind of this area, like if you miss something, you said you might miss something, you know? But in the area of fraud, and then especially if it's going to be expert witness, everything we do is scrutinized. In a case we're working right now, even our work papers are going to go to an agency. And so just that level of scrutiny. uh, And so it may sound cool what we get to do right now, but like the level of responsibility and and scrutiny and that can become a lot for sure. So. That's why, that's why people should play my game and go try this test that you're going to send us the link for if they, if they like our conversation. So what is your favorite type of problem to solve for your clients?
1: Uh, The one they didn't know they had is probably my favorite. And it's because when you look at the data, you, you know, you didn't know, they didn't even know they had the problem, you know, and to be able to kind of show them, Hey, did you know that, you know, that this is going on or did you know that, um, there's only one person in your company that is buying from this one vendor, and that's something that is kind of a red flag that you should maybe go look at. I love doing that kind of stuff because then it, it also is a chance to educate them even further on analytics and how it can help. Because there's so much you can do in analytics that you know it's it's such a, a broad term that it can kind of be hard to understand how to use it. Um, so I, I, I love I just I like being able to find the um, find the thing they didn't know they had. And I don't say that. I I laugh because it it almost sounds like I was stroking my ego to to say that. uh, Well, you didn't even know you had that. Look what I found. But um, it is it is not necessarily for uh, ego praising. It's just, you know, something that I enjoy doing so that they, again, like are educated and understand analytics more.
0: Well, and you're setting them up to win. Oh, yeah. In the future. So. If, like, yeah, you found something they didn't know about, but now that they know about it, they can reduce their risk. So,
1: um,
0: do you have an example?
1: Um, Yeah, we can use one with with the Z score, would be good since we've talked about it. Probably one of my favorite examples on a couple different or for a couple different reasons. One, it's just kind of easy to to understand, I guess. And then um, I don't know, I just think it's kind of an interesting use case. But there was this client and we were looking at, hours, worked hours, and overtime hours. And, you know, I said to myself, like, we can apply Z-score here. We can look at – and so Z-score, real quick, it's, it's all it is. It's, it, you don't really have to know the, the statistics behind it to know how it works. But basically, it just picks out – and if you look at the the link that, that Lee was talking about, you can – I think the workbook's in there, or I explain it in there further. But it basically just finds outliers in your data. So if everything is, you know, averaging around a five and then there's something that's a 10, it'll spit that out. And so we were looking at overtime hours. And so what we did was we applied the Z score to every job title in the company and then looked to see where there are outliers in overtime that was being billed. Um, And so what we found was there was a like, we'll call them a janitor two. So there's like a janitor one, janitor two, janitor supervisor, and there's like janitor two, and there's like 12 of them at this company. And the average janitor two worked 42 hours a week. So they averaged two hours of overtime a week. And there was this one of those 10 that averaged 48 hours um, a week. And so you look at that and you're like, well, why would this mm-hmm. one person be working so many more hours than anyone else? And so we got to ask that question. It turns out it was more of a control issue um, than it was, you know, like fraud or something to that effect, which is kind of I know we're like this is a fraud based podcast. But I find that a lot of times that when we do analytics, you know, I think people think analytics, especially maybe an internal audit, is about finding fraud. Um, And of course we do. But it's also about finding um, business process issues where there's maybe inefficiencies or ineffectiveness and so being able to look at the entire population and, and figure out where that is, is um, is really like where a large benefit is. The The other example that I'm thinking of, which is probably maybe, oh, this might be my new favorite. <laughs> I should have just spoken about this one. Okay. And I, I just don't want to go <laughs> okay. on this whole this long rant about machine learning. But to summarize at a, or at a high level machine learning, probably a topic you might, may or may not have heard of, but uh, or your audience, I meant, but because I know we've talked about it is being able to make a Mm -hmm. prediction uh, based on the historical data. So like a very high level uh, way of thinking about it is because we we do it all the time naturally in our brains. And so like if you're looking at a particular stock in the stock market and you see for the past three months that it's only going it's gone up over the past three months. Well, then that's the historical data. So if you want to make a prediction, you could say I would predict that next month it would continue to go up. Okay. And so within, and this is specific to fraud, it is said, and you're the fraud expert, so I'll, I'll let you uh, tell me if I'm wrong here or not, this kind of secondhand information that when you when you find somebody that's committed fraud, and I'm, I'm talking corporate fraud here, they even if they admit to the fraud and they say, yep, you caught me red-handed um, and this is how much I stole, it is, they say, usually a third of of whatever they actually took. So, Hey, I stole, um, a hundred thousand dollars. Well, it's probably closer to 300,000. They just don't keep good, good records of it. So even if they tried to help you find the frauds that they committed, they might not be able to find them all. So, yeah. so we had that situation and what we did is we had a list of all the transactions and we sat and said, look, we know this one's fraud. We know this one's fraud. We know this one's fraud. And, um, she said, you know, this one is, and this one, and this one, and we, so in, in the file, we literally you know create a column that said fraud, yes or no. And everyone that we knew was fraud, we marked it as a yes. Everything that we knew wasn't or that we thought wasn't, we marked it as a, a no. Uh, so fraud, yes, fraud, no. And then with machine learning, what you can do is run it through a crazy, sophisticated algorithm that there's no reason for anyone <laughs> that's using it to understand how it all works because you basically <laughs> have to be a PhD or some... Um, multiple PhD probably, but uh, to understand it, but um, you run it through the algorithm and you tell it what, what key fields to look at to determine if one is not fraud or that you don't know is fraud, if it actually is fraud based on the characteristics of the ones that are fraud. So the algorithm will say, Hey, look, all these 15 are fraud. And we found that all these that are fraud have these characteristics in common. So we're going to take characteristics and apply them to all the ones we don't know are fraud. And we'll, we'll, we'll even tell you with a certain degree of confidence, you know, out of a hundred score out of a hundred if we think it's fraud or not. And so we did that. And the end result, there was, there was one that it said like, Hey, we, you know, we, we think this one is, we have a 75% confidence or 75% confidence that this one that we don't know if it's fraud or not is fraud. Let's go look at it instead of looking at every single one of those transactions. I didn't know it at the time, but, you know, I sent it to the client and they emailed me back and said, um, Hey, funnily enough, we were talking to the investigator yesterday and that was one that um, they had been looking into without you, you know, obviously telling us um, as being fraud. So, you know, they're like, congratulations, the thing, you know, worked. The, the, other, the other side of that is there's going to be false positives. So not all. And that's part of machine learning. It's not going to give you the answer with 100 percent confidence every time. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, we're going to take just a second to jump over to an ad and we'll be right back. At Workman Forensics, we're your modern day Sherlock Holmes. The team at Workman Forensics follows patterns to find money through forensic accounting and fraud investigation services. Using our data sleuth process, we build client cases telling the story of what actually happened. This process serves clients in the best way, whether they are going through a divorce, a partnership dispute, an estate and trust dispute, or a fraud investigation. So what is data sleuthing? Well, after serving clients in this best way for 10 years, we are proud of our technological improvements, making our investigations work similar to that of a manufacturing process. By following a consistent investigative and internal process, our team addresses client concerns in a timely, responsive, and thorough manner. But don't worry, clients don't go through this process alone. We believe communication is vital to the success of an engagement. So each client is guided by a highly trained and specialized expert forensic accountant along the way. And because we think data sleuthing is the best way to investigate financial disputes, we work to train other professionals as well through our investigation games, guided interactive workshops, and our Be A Data Sleuth seminars. To learn more about any of these services or trainings, visit our website, workmanforensics.com. In fact, our website is full of resources for anyone looking to learn more about forensic accounting, fraud investigation, or our data sleuth process. This includes blog posts, free Excel downloads, more podcast episodes, and links to our YouTube channel. So if you're looking to get into the investigation industry, or if you've been an investigator for years, we know you'll find something helpful in our free resources. So visit our website, workmanforensics.com. Welcome back to my interview with Trent Russell. So Trent, I want to circle back to when you were talking about as part of, uh, you know, using analytics, that it's not necessarily just about detecting fraud, but also just maybe areas where things could be improved or maybe even human error, I'm guessing some of some of this is. So how do you start your engagements where you can start thinking in that way, or what do you recommend so sometimes whenever I talk to internal auditors, they're really excited about finding fraud. My concern as a fraud investigator is, but how do you know that that's fraud? And instead, looking at it from anomalies and then looking at intent, you know, how do you distinguish between this is a human error and this is fraud. I know how I do it, but I'm just kind of curious, especially when, you know, you're talking about machine learning and how you can get these results. But then you also could have false positives. So kind of what's your process in working through that to see is this human error? Or is this fraud?
1: Yeah. And I, I, so I'm not a an investigator. Um, I'm I'm more analytics. And so <laughs> my process is pass it on to the investigator, uh,
0: ah, nice. pass it
1: on to the expert. But the like the analytics process in general that I can speak to, like I'll tell people, I think most most people understand accounts payable. So let's say we're looking at accounts payable. Just go ahead and get the, what I've been calling desktop data. Like just give me anything that you have on your desktop. You know, we're talking to the person over AP. They're going to have, you know, vendor name, amount, that kind of you know invoice date, that kind of stuff. Like we don't need to make this complicated. And, and saying, I need all these 15 fields for this timeline and all that. Like, just give me something that you have so I can look at something. And then just taking that and doing doing some high level, what I call like pivot table type work. Just look at the top 10 spenders. Look at the bottom 10 spenders. You know, look at um, maybe the Z score and look at outliers and things like that. And so when you go back to them, you can say, look, we found XYZ. This seems like we can call it an anomaly. Um, or unusual? Can you you know help me understand that? And a lot of times they'll say we didn't even know that was going on. Kind of harking back to what I mentioned earlier, um, or say yeah I didn't I, you know I didn't know that that was going on. And that does a couple things, especially from the audit world and and maybe even in the business process improvement world or the the fraud world, uh, investigation world. They kind of look at that and we're talking relationships, and they look at that and go most people, the majority, are not doing that. And so when you bring them something like that, they go, okay, this isn't just internal audit. The cops who are coming to beat us up because our account's off by a penny and write up a report on it and send it out to everybody. Um, You know, it's, they are actually helping. And not only that, there is a sense of, they care about my job. They care about my department. They care about the functions that our department play, the function that our department plays in the overall success of the company. Um, so that's really where I just start. There's no, it's rarely anything, you know, super complicated. Um, and then from there, you know, they start to ask more questions. We dig in deeper and and things like that. But, uh, that's the other message I've been, you know, preaching recently is just get something and look at it. Like we can all filter in Excel. And if not, it takes, you know, three minutes to Google how to do that. We can all filter and look at the top things, the bottom things, uh, throw it in pivot table, that kind of stuff. So, that's kind of my approach. And then we take a deeper dive, you know, after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree because analytics to me in, in my world is we found some things that look unusual, but we need more context. So um, yeah, absolutely. And whether that's letting the client, you know, in your case, having the client weigh in maybe, or, uh, or talking to the subject themselves, um, like you, like you were talking about. Anyway, I love the, Machine learning. As you're explaining the machine learning, I'm thinking, hmm, how could we work that into ours? So (laughs) I do have a question on machine learning. So in the example you provided, you were, somebody was talking to the subject, right? right? Is that okay? So then, and then this person was advising, this is fraud, this is not, this is fraud, this is not. So is, do you need that type of input in order to use the machine learning aspect of this?
1: Yeah. For predictive, you have to have like the test data. So you have to have the data that says this is what it is. You have to label it. Um, so you have to be able to say, because you have to be able to use the historical data to predict um, what's going on. And so if you don't have it labeled as yes or no, um, then you're not going to be able to do that. There's other techniques like clustering that will kind of do that for you to a degree. So it, it's kind of you know, we don't know what question we're asking of the data. We're just going to throw it into this clustering thing and it'll cluster the, the, um, the data together. So you can see if there's anomalies that way. So that's, that's an approach. If you don't have a question that you know that you're asking or you don't know what to ask of the data. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. I would say most of the time we try to convince employers not to fire their employees before we have a second to at least look at a sample. Oh Um, but Usually, they're too mad and they've already fired the person. Yeah. So, trying to think of how I could work that in. So, in the engagements that you work, who are your target clients? No names or anything. Just what are the best clients for you at Green Skies Analytics?
1: Yeah. So, it's anybody that's in internal audit that really is, I would say, forward thinking. And by that, I mean they want to use technology. Um, they're not the, you know, an audit. We, a lot of times we say, check the box auditors, you know, they just kind of come in and do you have this in place? Yes or no. Okay. That's great and wonderful. Next engagement. Um, so really it's the forward thinking ones are the ones that I, that I would say partner with the best, um, because they want to make their department better. They want to help the company. And so really outside of, you know, most financial services, places, uh, large, large banks, have a lot of analytics people or, or a dedicated analy- analytics person, but really I'm still, you know, I'm talking to audit groups all the time and there's still not a lot of dedicated people. So effectively, if there's an internal audit department, um, those are the, the people that I work with.
0: Okay, great. You also host a podcast, uh, the audit podcast. Tell us more about the purpose behind it and the types of guests and information that you provide.
1: Yeah. So it is very, um, aptly named the audit podcast it is for internal auditors uh I, I think we even at some point we've said something to the effect of it's for internal auditors compliance and uh risk management people you're cool too or something like that and i guess i need to include fraud <laughs> folks also because yeah, yeah yeah we talk a little fraud uh we'll have to have you on there for sure but um it's one of the more popular episodes probably. So yeah, I guess we need to get some more fraud folks on there because it is very interesting, but
0: I know lots of those.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, um, and so we've actually had one of your previous guests, Jamie shine. She was on the show talking internal audit. It's a, it's mostly internal auditors or people that um, consultants, uh, speakers that, that kind of, I would say outside looking in on internal audit to get their perspective. And also a lot of so hot topics in audit right now are security or security is a hot topic in audit. So we've had a couple of um, CISOs and security folks, and we have more planned for the year to talk about that risk because it's everywhere. That's like all you know that we're we're hearing. So it's really um, it's about how to be a better auditor. And the the thing that I'm I think I'm most proud of, and it took me a while to realize that I I needed to do this more often is I would have somebody that would come on and, you know, theoretically say, well, we should be doing this and this and audit should be doing this and we're not doing enough of this. And I'd say, that's great. I totally agree. How do we do that? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, I hadn't thought about that, you know, or, or the, you know, I, you know, they'll say, this is what you need to do, but I've really worked hard to make sure and let the guests know, okay. Go into your theory. I don't care. It's your show is what I tell them. I'm just the host. It's your show. Say whatever you want to, but I'm going to ask you how to do that. So if you're, if you're not prepared to answer the how question, then probably shouldn't bring it up.
0: Yeah, that's good. I, I felt the same frustration in my career with, um, like there would be great fraud investigative training you know, and it's like, Oh man, this is awesome. And then I go back to my desk to try to apply it to a case. And I'm like, crap, how do I connect these things? Uh You know, how do I take what they were saying and and use that in an Excel spreadsheet or when I'm looking at bank statements or whatever. So that's awesome. Totally, definitely needed uh, in lots of fields, but especially, I would say, especially audit uh,
1: and fraud investigation. So yeah. And and even in analytics. So, uh, you know, I speak at IA chapters and ISACA chapters and other other audit groups. And usually the title of the, the presentation is like, how to actually use analytics in audit or a how-to on audit analytics. Like it's how to actually do it. It's not, because I've, you know, we have to attend trainings to get our continuing education credits. And so I'll, you know, usually opt for maybe the analytics or, or something a little more technical. And it's just like, even then it's like, well, that's, I mean, that is cool, but... How do you do that? And so that's something that that I've, um, I guess, is just always kind of bugged me. So that's the one of the missions that I'm on is how to actually, you know, be a better auditor and and have a better department, along with being a you know more effective leader within that group, also.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, Trent, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today and provide valuable information to our listeners. So, if any of our listeners would like to connect with you or learn more about. Your podcast or services. What's the best way to do so?
1: Yeah, so the podcast again. It's called the Audit Podcast. Um, if you want to, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on there about as much as I am in my email. But if you want to email me, it's uh, Trent Russell with two S's and two L's uh, at gskanalytics.com. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the the best route. There's also so there's a link if you're I talk about, and sorry if I'm, I know that we're trying to close this out, but I talk about using technology not necessarily in the ways of like analytics and it doesn't have to be about like AI and all this crazy stuff all the time. We need to use technology to make things easier, even in terms of, and something I appreciated with your show that you, you know, you do this with your guests is on my website, there's a link at the top right that says, Let's Talk. You click that link, it'll show you my calendar and you can pick a time. On average, it takes six emails to schedule a meeting, which is kind of ridiculous. So that's what I'm talking about. Like we can even just use technology to do something to to be more effective um, or or rather be more efficient in something as simple as, as setting a meeting. So um, you can go there, you can see my calendar and uh, book time and save yourself the the trouble of all the back and forth in an email.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, aren't those like the best things that were created? Those meeting links? They really lives? are, yeah. Oh, so nice. Thank you whoever started doing that.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: okay, so we'll make sure to link to these things in the show notes and thank you again.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great.